Welcome to episode 72 of Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Floman again with my brother Keith Floman and our buddy Larry Wallman. In this episode, we'll be doing a draft of the best songs of 1975, a much better year than 1974 in terms of all-time classic tunes. And we'll each draft five songs via Snake Draft. The intro song which I picked was Never Been Any Reason by the American band Head East. I've always loved this song. The big mini mood synths and solos, the great riffs, the killer grooves, the catchy verses featuring multiple vocalists and the even catchier choruses. It's melodic, it rocks, and it's a 70s song through and through. Put this song on and instant happiness follows. And it was included in the classic teen flick Days and Confused, which had a great soundtrack of 70s songs much like how Guardians of the Galaxy later resurrected 70 Forgotten Songs from this period. Good pick. Good way to kick us off. I wouldn't say 70. It's necessarily better than 74 because we went deep on 74, but definitely has more recognizably classic 70s songs than 74. I think it's both better and deeper. Yeah, 75, 75 is pretty nuts. I'm a little scared. This is a hard year, not because it was hard to find songs. It's hard to... Pick which ones up. you're gonna go. Yeah. With. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we may at the end say let's go six or seven rounds deep. Uh, <laughs> I just think awesome. we're gonna we're gonna get to the end. They were like, wait a minute, there's just there's just too much out there. Yeah, I just don't want people to think that our '74 episode is not a classic because it is. Oh no, no, that's a oh, yeah. classic right there. There's a lot of great tunes there, for sure. Yeah. These are, like you said, far more recognizable songs. I think we'll have in this episode. So. Why don't we start? What do you guys, like we did with 74, give me your general thoughts on 75. 75 was was the year where innuendo was thrown aside and like the lyrics and song content of 75 was basically like, let's bang on the floor for as long as we want. And <laughs> <laughs> like 75 was, was, uh, it was get your sexy on for sure. Um, 75 is has like the peaks of your you know you've got your giants at the top but it's also just got breath to it it's it's just uh it's a hard it's a hard year to sort of pick song just because you can go in so many different directions so it'll be interesting to see where where we take it i don't even know if i want to say it's a transitional year because i think some of the transitions started happening beforehand but it's sort of when it became much more out there i mean you know we were talking before early 70s songs, if you weren't deep classic rock, there was a lot of like singer songwriter. There was a lot of like weirdness on the charts. This is when you start to think of the 70s as 70s, right? A lot of classic hard rock, a lot of R&B, but also you're starting to get into disco. You're starting to get into some other genres. You're even starting to get into some electronica, which is starting to seep in and influence some songs that may or may not pop up on this. But this, I mean, this is my kind of year, right? You get like everything in it. You can go in so many different directions. I mean, I could easily have five picks that aren't classic rock at all. And you could easily, I could easily have like all 15 of our picks would be something that you hear on, you know, AM album oriented radio, classic rock stations. You would hear every one of them once a day. So. Yeah. It should be interesting to see where we go with this. I agree. Some of the musical giants who took 74 off are back in a big way in 75. Disco starting to become a major mainstream force, and there's still plenty of good soul and funk 
in addition to what would later be called classic rock. And the 70s is also the decade of the live album, often double live albums, and I'm positive that we'll have at least one live song in this episode. And maybe the most surprising thing about 1975 was the unexpected massive comeback of quote-unquote 60s artist Frankie Valli. Yes, that's a good point. Is that your number one pick? No, but with the Four Seasons and as a solo artist, he had three huge hits in 1975. So who saw that coming, right? My Eyes Adored You, December 1963, Oh What a Night, and Who Loves You. And they're they're all very different songs. And his vocals aren't even the most prominent on some of that. So props to the other Four Seasons who Frankie overshadows. He writes the songs, the whole world sings. (laughs) Except he doesn't write them. But we'll we'll get into that maybe. (laughs) Anyway, but it's probably too much on Frankie Valley. <laughs> that is probably that is definitely more Frankie Valley than I thought we would have on a music movie tonight. Yes, yes, although he would have one more major hit in his career, which you guys could probably figure out. Yes. Back to the draft guidelines. So the first pick for seventy-five will go to me, followed by Larry and then Keith, and we'll reverse it for round two and so on for five rounds. So it's time for the first pick, the best song of nineteen seventy-five. Okay, so I previously called Bob O'Reilly the ultimate anthemic rock song. You can say the same thing about this song. to run by bruce springsteen there's so much to love about this song right off the bat you know what song it is from the explosive first note it has multiple sections each of which stand out there's the great one two three four mid-song climax which of course we played and of course we all counted down to it and of course there's the nostalgic outro as well the e street band of firing on all cylinders and bruce the storyteller is in prime form Yes, he's singing about cars, but more so the people in the cars. 
And of course, the album's other all-time great songs like Thunder Road, Backstreet's, Jungle Ant. But when you talk about the Bruce Springsteen song, it's Born to Run. It's the one song he absolutely has to play at every concert, and fittingly, it was the title of his autobiography. So I was like 80% sure that you were going to pick this song, but I picked it anyway, just in case you pulled out a surprise. But I, I think that's a, it's kind of a... I was going to say it's a no-brainer, but I think it really depends on, on your... Yeah, it's course. definitely not a no-brainer. Yeah, because there's so not many good songs, yeah. but it's this, this is a classic. And, and you hit it on the head when you said, you know, it's like the ultimate rock anthem, right? You know, it, it makes so much sense in so many ways. I, I feel like not only is it Bruce really hitting his stride both lyrically and musically, but it's all the Eastern Band is just fucking crushing it on it. They are amazing on it. And it's just, it, it makes you feel like... They're really hitting on all cylinders, so I, I I can't say anything. I mean, it's a perfect pick. And it's like you mentioned, Bob O'Reilly. Like, Born to Run is the quintessential American classic rock song, right? It's it's almost unimpeachable. Again, this is early Bruce, where he's still right. This is him becoming a superstar, and there's a good reason. The album is ridiculous. Um, like you said, you could pick three songs, at least probably some would say four. You would say four. Um, some would, yeah, I mean, I Backstreet to me is amazing. Like, it's yeah. awesome. It's great. It's, it's, it's fresh, you know, for 1975, it's just a different, um, you know, there's a, there's just a greatness and grandness to it. Grandness is a good word. His stated goal is to basically marry the music the grand sound of Phil Spector with the lyrics of Bob Dylan. And I think mission accomplished. On this one, for sure. And an uh, interesting trivia note, right? So the drums weren't played by Max Weinberg. Do you guys know who the drummer was? We'll forget it. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so so why even ask us? What if we surprised you? I want to tell you. What's interesting about this is it was by Ernest Boom Carter. And amazingly, it was his only recording with the band, right? In between the first two albums, you had Vinny Mad Dog Lopez. And then afterwards, you had Max Weinberg. So literally the only song this guy ever played on with Bruce Springsteen was Born to Run. Picked a good one. That's not a bad resume builder. Number two, who's up? Lawrence Wallman. I'm up. So I'm going to do a little gamesmanship risk here. Because the song that I probably would pick at number two, I have a feeling I might still be able to take on my next pick, but I don't know. So we'll have to see how this goes. Gamesmanship is always a risk. It's always a risk in some gamesmanship. I mean, you know, the good thing about it is that there's so many great songs that even if you, you don't get one of your top, you know, two picks, you could probably make up for it somehow. So here we go. Oh, 
Is that the greatest guitar solo by someone who has a PhD in astrophysics? It's probably not a lot of, you know, well, because there are two great guitar solos, really, right? There's the yeah. mellow one and then yeah. there's a rocking out one. Yep. So, of course, that was Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen off of A Night at the Opera. I'm, I'm you know, a little worried that my gamesmanship might have, might have backfired on me which i'm, I'm seeing nods that it, it probably did but okay that's fine it's still a phenomenal song this is one of those other you know instant classics that you hear probably on more than just classic rock radio because it's now you know it's sort of taken on a life of its own in pop culture it definitely got a boost you from know, uh, yeah it elevated it from where it sort of sat in pop culture hierarchy and and just became a, a greater, grander classic from that. It's funny. Scott has talked about the fact that there's, you know, like a Memorial Day. You always hear a lot of these songs on, on classic rock, like Memorial Day 500 countdowns, right? And before Wayne's World came out, this might have been in like the top 30 or 40. And then I think Wayne's World came out in 1991. Starting in 1991, it was always in like the top six or seven after that, right? So it definitely shows you the power of pop culture to influence where a song is. This is a, a proggy song off of kind of a proggy album, and yet it made it into mainstream, and I it has so many different parts and components. So definitely would have gotten played, I assume, at some point, but I, I am a little worried that my gamesmanship to Keith backfired. It's part prog, it's part, I don't know, like... It's a very theatrical song. Right? It's a, it's yes. a lot more. Uh, Which fits Freddie, right? A, no, no, I know. Of course, of course, it definitely fits Freddie. It fits the band, uh, but it's sort of that blend that I, I. It's hard to call it really prog because it's it's not King Crimson, right? It's not King Crimson. Yes, it's not uh, Camel. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, it's not that. It's a great song. It right. It's it's an important song because it sort of stretches the boundaries of what's possible from a classic rock or a rock song or um, a rock album, right? Queen, the album was, was that too. In the, like the, the, you know, I'm sure fictionalized biopic, right? The producer's like, it's too, it's, you know, too long, right? It can't, like, nobody's going to play this on the radio, right? And sure enough, because this is also, it's one of those really long songs, but you don't, there's not like a short version, like some of the songs that we we know that goes on the radio. Like you play it on the radio, this is what you hear, the whole thing. Yeah, it's not an edited single. And, and there are probably a lot of people who would pick this song number one for 1975 or, yeah. or even all time for that matter. Yep. You get some of Freddie's most tender singing, right? There's mm -hmm. that riveting storytelling. 
multiple amazing guitar solos like we talked about from Brian May. And most of all, there's the crazy, campy, operatic section, which nobody but Queen could have pulled off, yeah, right? you can't pull that off unless you're Queen, yeah. So basically, everything that makes Queen great is right here in inarguably their greatest song. And I'd say A Night at the Opera is their greatest album and, and a great starting point on the Queen catalog. So, yeah, yeah great pick. I'm, I'm in, I was I was torn between that and I'm in love with my car, which is a great, awesome queen yeah, song. And my best friend. <laughs> best, best friend. My best, friend. best friend. Best friend is just an amazing pop song. Right? That is an amazing pop song. It's, it's one of those songs where it just hits you right away and love it. I was hoping that these two songs went one, two, actually, because it just makes it easier. It made it. Uh, all right, so which Pink Floyd song are you picking through? Yeah, exactly. That was I swear to God, that's exactly what I was going to say. What are you picking off of Wish You Were Here? <laughs> All right, so. I know it's you right. guys think you know me so well. <laughs> you're like, you know what? You're not going to pick it now. You're going to pick your other song. Just out exactly. Of exactly. Now, nah, let's, let's, let's do this. Wish You Were Here from Wish You Were Here by the mighty Pink Floyd and and obviously you guys were wondering whether it was going to be Shine On or Wish You Were Here with maybe Welcome to the Machine as Dark Horse or <laughs> but um, or Have a yeah. Cigar maybe as a have very a very Dark Horse yeah. and um, there's two versions of Shine On also <laughs> yeah, two, yeah exactly Shine On represents why Pink Floyd is as awesome as they are, right? It's it's experimental, it's it's different, it's just an amazing song. Wish You Were Here is basically a, a straightforward song. And like Pink Floyd doing a straightforward song 
creates like the most moving piece of music like that's ever been created to me. <laughs> like it's the most like it, it from an emotional state like I always get emotional to this song, right? Like this one hits never, harder. Totally. It never doesn't. It never doesn't hit you, and it's a regular song. And that's to me, this represents why Floyd is so goddamn good, right? Like they can create a piece of a masterpiece like this, like literally the, the greatest, straightforward, regular. It's not proggy. It's just straightforward, simple song, and yet it's it's like perfect this was relatively easy for me just because wish we here just it's just so powerful man it, it's a crusher it's a killer i don't know if you guys remember but back in the day when we were early on in the music nerds unite podcast we were doing our first albums tourney and the wall won i even said the wall's not even my favorite pink floyd album this is this this, this album just hits so hard everything on it is so good and literally i kind of assumed that if you were going to pick one you would pick wish you were here because it does hit so hard and you know we, we know you like the feels but you could have picked anything on this album and i would have been like yeah that's 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 great it's that good i think even waters and gilmore think this is the best pink floyd song i think i've, I've like read that they think this is you know the, the one that's the, the one that encompasses pink floyd the most when they jump into the last vert right it just explodes into how I wish you were. It's, oh, man. Yeah. Well, so and, and the intro is awesome too. The, you know, like I remember the first time I ever heard this, my cousin, my cousin's name is Barry. So Barry and Larry, but whatever, my cousin Barry played this for me. And when it's like the rate, when it's like the switching of the radio and going through like, you know, some BBC announcer and then like Tchaikovsky and then this, I literally asked him like, what happened? And he's like, no, 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 wait, yeah, wait, yeah. wait. Yeah. Yeah, the way Have a Cigar kind of leads into it, yeah. right? It's, oh, it's so great. And and you're right, they're all great, but it's definitely down between this and Shine On You Crazy Diamond, the first version of yeah. it. For me, it is. And I agree with the pick. I would have picked Wish You Were Here because of what you said. And it, it's kind of like what we said about James Taylor in Fire and Rain, right? It's the same thing. It's just that emotion of the song hits you while being an even better song. And it, like you said, this is a straightforward acoustic ballad from Pink Floyd, who's known for these spacey, uh, more wild excursions. It shows yeah. that they could go simple and, and be amazing also. I'd still go with the wall number one, but Wish You Here is probably my second favorite Pink Floyd, even above Dark Side. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. I disagree, but this is, for me, this is... No, I, I, but there, there was... I agree that those are one, two, and then Dark Side is three, which is crazy just yeah. to even contemplate that an album that awesome. One more thing I just, you know, I spoke to about my friend Kevin in college. Before we went to sleep every night, the album we put on was Wish You Were Here. Nice. And it was always perfect. All right. I think I'm up again. All right. We're talking engagementship. Jesus. Um, I'm probably way overshooting this one um but f larry if i'm hoping that i'm stealing your pick um i know there's a chance that it's true but maybe too early i mean send three two one boom whoa did not see this coming nice that was not my pick but that would have been my pick after pick wow fucking great pick Greatest opening line in rock history. Yeah. Did I steal that from you? Don't you want me to play the first line now? 
it's just the end is so no no i'll do both all right then play the first play the okay we can't can't intro it like that and then not play it right yeah agreed although keith wasn't planning on saying it so maybe Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milner, hot thieves, wild cord on my sleeve. Thick, hot stone, my sins, my own, they belong to me. So that is how you do a cover song and make it your own, right? Like, there's only one version, G-L-I-A, that actually matters. And that is the great Patti Smith from the album Horses. And that is how you introduce yourself to the world on your first album. So that's Patti Smith crushing it, covering you know, a song from the '60s from some dude we may have heard of, but um, it really Scott has like a man crush on, you know. But yeah, but just <laughs> c- completely owning it, and thank you uh, too, Larry. I do too, definitely. Yeah, of course, of course. But but, but, but this bears no resemblance. Like you can't even. There's no like you you can't hear one and hear the other and think that it's even the same solo so um and what i love about this is this is punk as fuck right it's your first album your first song you declare jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine not mine but and they just go on to crush a song like this is owning it it's it's so good i i i had said before you know before when I when you first sent it over the chat, I definitely would have picked this song. I don't know if I would have picked it next this early, but there's no way it would have gotten back to you. So well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was it was a little bit you know it, it jumped up on my board at the, at the last minute, but 
I'm sticking. I'm I'm cool with it. Well, and when uh, I was prepping for this, like I, you know, I usually put together a couple of lists of seventy, you know, of songs from seventy-five. For whatever reason, I'd be running, I'd be cycling, I'd be doing whatever. That no matter how many times I put together a playlist, this song would always come up. I'm like, it's a sign. There's no way it's not being it's not being picked. Yeah. So the original was by Van Morrison's group, sixties group Them. Also, was a hit for Shadows of Night. And, you know, she was called the punk POTUS, right? So there was definitely that connection. She made her uh, the rounds in CBGBs in the early days, uh, along with the bands like Television, The Talking Heads, The Ramones, and so on. And she's she's an untrained singer, right? But she's got this Clearly. dramatic, just so incredibly passionate and so unique that she's very powerful and very singular. And like Van Morrison with Astral Weeks, I feel like this song and its parent album, Horses, was a lightning in a bottle type of album. She did plenty of good work afterwards, but nothing that had the magic, I would call it, of Horses. And uh, there are other great songs on that album. There's a nine-minute, couple of nine-minute songs, which, again, is very unpunk. So there are there were these other influences, too, like Bob Dylan, right? She's as much Bob Dylan as the Ramones. And so Birdland is is just an amazing song. And, and then for pure rock power, you have Free Money, which is a phenomenal song. And uh, the band was really good. Lenny Kay, who is uh, also a rock critic, and compiled the Nuggets compilation of great 60s songs. Uh, Shadows of Night was one of those bands we'll, we'll talk about maybe in the 60s. Right, and the Nugget, and Nuggets as an album is definitely a music nerds. Yeah, yeah, an album, and then later became a box set, which is yeah. even more amazing. And and to further the underground cred and credentials, the album was produced by John Calo of the Velvet Underground. And Tom Verlaine of, of television played on it as well, too, so... And, you know, I know you guys know this because you're both music nerds and and pop culture nerds. But for maybe, you know, some of our listeners who don't know, you, you know who took the photo, which is a classic, iconic album cover. Yeah, Robert Mapplethorpe. Yep, yep. Her, her former roommate and, and very good friend, Robert Mapplethorpe, took the, took the photo of it. So, And um, she wrote a great book about them, uh, yes. Just Friends. Just I don't friends. know if she's read that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, worth it, worth it. Uh, yeah, and of course, you know, television also was punk, and what didn't shy away from long songs either. Um, yeah. Punk yet not punk, tangentially punk. 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 Yeah, 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 punk, right? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yellow eye, great, pick. great, pick. and the opening line, right? Like we said, it's, great, it, it's, it's, it's on the greatest. Well, certainly the I, short list of greatest openings to an album, but to a career. I mean, oh my god, to any song, period. Right, which again, I know is just yeah, funky song, right? You you start off your career with an opening track and making a declaration like that. It's but know. also it's a cover. It's a cover, and this line is not part of the song. Right? Yeah, it's like it's yeah. just like fuck that. I'm making fuck my own. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you make a cover your own, and that's how you become right. a legend. Everything after that was gravy. All right. We taking this to Mr. Waldman. That's right. So so this was one I had, you know, little gamesmanship. Scott has teased this song a couple of times, saying that it's it's the ultimate the live version blows the album version away. 
I'm, I'm, I'm already getting a couple of things on, on the text about me picking this song because Scott knows exactly where I'm going with this. But I, I couldn't I, – There's. let me put it this way. There's Scott's got double picks coming up. I don't know exactly what his picks would have been, but one of them would have been this song. So I got I got to go with it. Well, when we did the episode intro, I mentioned there would be a live version, right? A live song. Yeah. Obviously, this is the one I was thinking of. He knew it wasn't getting back to him. Yeah, he knew it wasn't I mean, getting back to him. I mean, look. He was maybe – he's maybe was by, at this point. At this point, he may have been hopeful when it passed me for two picks, but – right. And again, I can't blame. I, I can't say you. You know, your first pick, unimpeachable. Your first pick was the right pick, but I couldn't let it get back to you. So, and I'm going to do something. You know, we don't do too often, which is do a double clip. Which I'm going to do a little bit of the intro and then a little bit in the middle. Although we've done that three times in this episode now. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess maybe that's becoming a staple of, of the yeah. Music Nerds Unite podcast.
I could let that song go on un- until it finishes and then play it again and never, ever, ever be sick of it. I mean, it is an all-time classic. So that, of course, is No Woman, No Cry. And I feel like most people probably know it from Legend, which is essentially Bob Marley's greatest hits. Originally, the original version was on Natty Dread, which came out in 1974. But as Scott reminded us multiple times, the ultimate, the classic version is the live version on Bob Marley and the Blailers Live, which was recorded in 1975 at the Lyceum in London. And, you know, there are lots of times when you have a live song, live version of a song and the album version, and the live version blows it away. I mean, this... It's not even a comparison. I mean, this is an ultimate live song. And I I had to pick the part in the middle because that's when you hear the crowd literally singing every lyric. And you guys both know I'm a sucker for crowd singing. So there's no possible way I could have picked any other part than this. And there was also no possible way that I could have let this get to Scott. Because, I mean, come on. It would have been one of your picks, right? Absolutely. And I think any great live performance or live song or album, the crowd they play an important role when they get into it. It really enhances the song, and that's what happens here for sure. And and that intro, which you also played, if you're with a group of people and they hear that intro, everybody's smiling, everybody's nodding, yeah, yeah. all right, yeah. There's just something about Bob that, I don't know, it just puts a smile on my face every single yeah. time. Yeah, I love this song so much. Like, it was, it, it was hard for me not to pick it in my first two picks, and and, I thought for sure you were. Yeah. I, so I, I, and Scott sort of um, was, was on to me a little bit. And for, and I had the number one pick for 74. I was thinking about picking this song as the number one pick of 74 and using the live version as the clip for 74, which, you know, is a bending of the rules, which we, you know. And Scott would have freaked out. So I sent a text to these guys saying, hey, by the way, there is a song from 1974 that you may be tempted to pick, but it really should be picked in 1975. And you can pick it in 74, but if you do so, I will shred you because the only version that matters <laughs> is the 1975. Yeah, but I, but, I, but I was going to counter that by playing the 75 version of it. So, like, you couldn't have said, like, you didn't play I mean, right. we did say in the beginning that, there, you know, sometimes we can play a little bit one thing i'll also say is bob marley is reggae right but that's a soul song that's, that's a soul that's, song that's right? a soul song that, yeah. how soulful so is that song and you got a great guitar solo yeah. which we were wow, just getting great. into the whole band is great it's it's a classic you know it's funny as as scott has referred to many times maybe some of our listeners know at one point in my life I was dissatisfied with lists of like the best albums of all time. So I created my own based on many lists. And one of the artists that I think he's in the top four of most albums in the list is Bob Marley. And and I, it's partially because, yes, he's the quintessential greatest reggae artist of all time. But it goes way beyond reggae, right? It, it he, he has, it's like you said, I mean, this is a soul song, right? This... There's so much emotion in the song, and it's so genuine. He's talking about how people interact and engage with one another. Like, I, I don't know. You can picture hanging out with him and having cornmeal porridge, right? I mean, yeah. sitting around a fire, chilling, 
probably doing a couple other things. To me, this is like the sister song to what's going on, actually, for for reggae from uh, oh, from Marvin. I, and I know, I know, yeah, I know, I know. Scott, you know, goes back and forth on his favorite Bob song, but to me, that's what this song is. So. This is probably number one. And Larry, you had a good point how people, most people know the song from, let's face it, his omnipresent hits compilation, right? And was ever a hits compilation more aptly titled? No. no. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. No. That's a great, and, great and The other thing, too, is that, I mean, again, it, it's so different now because you can pick any song at any time and listen to it wherever you are in the world. But when we were growing up, your introduction to Bob was legend. Like no, there's nobody, nobody's, nobody's first Bob Marley album was Natty Dread, right? <laughs> right. It was always legend, and, and a lot of people never went beyond legend. And a lot of people, and, and oh, but it seemed like like when I was in college, for example, it seemed like everyone had this album. Though. Everyone had legend, yeah. And I remember, I there was a Bob, like so in like the late '80s, early '90s, there was sort of a a trend to have multi-CD box sets, right? And Bob had a box set called Songs of Freedom, which as soon as it came, I, I don't know if I bought it the day it came out, but I bought it like within the week it came out because I needed to expand my knowledge of Bob. And it's so, it's such an amazing box set, but that's because Legend is the gateway, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and Live is one of his best albums. Like if you were going to recommend a few Bob Marley albums, this Live album would be one of them. And while we love 75, we probably just did 15 minutes on Bob Marley. One last thing. People don't talk about what a great singer he is. Right? Yeah, what is it's got the, it's got, Yeah, it's awesome. You, you, you're never going to hear me ever say anything other than, like you said, Scott, legend. 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 Yeah. All right. Not that there's any pressure on you, but you got two picks coming up, and I know I stole one of them, so... But I'm also confident that we also know other picks ready to go. Yeah, and we know and right. we know the band. We know the band for one of them. So. Regarding this next song, remember when it comes down to making out, whenever possible, put on side one of Led Zeppelin four. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I, I actually, I hope everyone appreciated how awesome that quote was because that was awesome. Yeah, we'll get more into that in a minute. And if by some bizarre chance Keith had taken Bob, this would have been my next pick. So, well, well played.
Of course, that was Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. And the quote in my intro was from the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And of course, that's funny because when Rat goes on his date, he plays Cashmere, which is on physical graffiti, not Led Zeppelin 4. No wonder she went for Damone instead. What's there to say? Tragic, (laughs) tragic. What's there to say about Cashmere? I'm pretty sure that it's Plant's favorite Zep song. And it's probably their only song to seriously rival Stairway in stature. It's exotic with those symphonic Eastern orchestrations. The riffs are unforgettable. Plant's lyrics are evocative. And his vocals rougher than usual. And Bonham is awe-inspiring. The build-up to the end of Song Climax is simply spectacular. We overuse the term epic a lot here on Music Nerds Unite. But few songs are more epic than Kashmir, regardless of song length. And it's not their most perfect album. It's a double album, and there's some filler towards the end. But sometimes I think that the supremely ambitious and wide-ranging physical graffiti is their best album, especially since some of its best songs, like The Rover, In the Light, Ten Years Gone, and In My Time of Dying, haven't been played to death over the years when classic rock radio gets to let out. This is a phenomenal song. As I said, if, if Keith had taken Bob... This would have been my would have probably my next pick, although Gloria, God, yeah, yeah. This was my next pick, with or without Bob. This we know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We 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 know. But no. you had another pick after that, so yeah. But uh, this, but but this, like, like to me, it hits on so many levels. But the part that I always come back to, the thing that always makes me just in, in awe is. Is Bonham's drumming is so precise. It's so good. It sets such a tone for this album. And there's like, there's like a dread and eeriness to Kashmir that that just fucking kills. Like you can, it it makes you feel as though you're you're anticipating something that's that's going to happen, and it's 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 not a good thing, right? It's like it's got this feeling of dread of 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 awe that's coming up and. It's so good. I agree with you that Physical Graffiti is probably a flawed album in that it's it probably they fuck it up at the end. They fuck it up at the end, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's still fucking awesome though. But it's still it's still so good. And Kashmir is definitely one of my top favorite, my top Zeppelin songs. It's probably in the top like two or three, and depending on the mood, it's number one because for for years this was my favorite Zeppelin song. I feel like as I've like you know expanded my my knowledge of Zeppelin and th- thought more about some of their songs. And to your point, Scott, sometimes after a while, when you hear a song that's overplayed a little bit, maybe it becomes a little less engaging. Special, is, yeah. Always go back. If, phys- if physical so, graffiti was, was 10 songs long. There's very little filler. The first three sides are amazing. And there's still great it, songs on side four. Well, I'm saying is if it ended after 10 years gone, and again, it's not that the, the songs at the end are terrible. But that's just that's ten songs where you're like and and a and a killer ender. Anyway, it is what yeah. it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it may be a little editing, but it's still epic. Which yes, yeah, we yeah. definitely overuse, just like I overuse vibe. You know what? And, and, and like, look, yeah. like if our listeners didn't hear us say epic multiple times and me say vibe multiple times, they'd be like, "What? What happened?" But you know what? This song has a vibe. Totally. <laughs> and after after House of the Holy, like you know it's. You can, I could give them a little bit of leeway for them to come back with a little bit more sort of, you know, obnoxiousness of like, <laughs> you know, 
And Kashmir embodies that, right? Like it's like there's a cockiness to Kashmir. Um, and it embodies a lot of the things that are the excesses of Zeppelin, but in a, in a way that is just, you know, almost unimpeachable just because a, of how well they pull it, there. how they pull it off, right? Because like, like, yeah, Kashmir, like, is it a little too much? Is it a little pretentious? If it was from another artist, maybe, yeah. right? Pretentious they, they or ambitious, own. though, right? It depends where you're coming from. Pretentious has a negative connotation. Ambitious has a positive connotation. That's where Agreed. I'm going with that. Agreed. You know, and, and like Exile on Main Street, Quadrophenia, Physical Graffiti is the last start-to-finish great Led Zeppelin album. Yes, yes. But it can be both ambitious and, uh, what was the other word? Pretentious. Uh, Pretentious and obnoxious. Zeppelin, like this is Zeppelin, and for their warts, and like this is why people put them on a pedestal. This is why people knock them off the pedestal. But you know, Kashmir is freaking awesome. It is awesome, and of course, you know, a nod to the Ratner for saying "fuck you, Damone." I I defy your Zeppelin four, and I will. I'm going with Kashmir anyway. Didn't work out for him, but hey. Demone's such a scumbag. Come on. Yeah, exactly. He, he probably set him up anyway. Totally. Ratner, Ratner saw the double the double secret agent shit yeah. going on. Yeah. And Larry anyway. Wright, if Bonham's not the greatest rock drum ever, he's certainly way up there. And Bonham's. if you're going to show an example of why Kashmir would be a good example. All right, Fleming. <laughs> you got your next pick. Let's go. Let's hear it. Oh, I, I, I haven't even thought this far ahead. No, not you. Other, like, I, I, other, I, other, no, no, no. no. I'm, in terms of anticipating what's oh, going yeah, no. yeah, on. Oh, yeah, no. At this point, like, not it's not that I picked every song, but I figured, like, at this point, most of these songs would be in the top. Now we're starting to get to where it gets interesting. It's one of two songs. But I, I think you're going to be surprised. I don't think it's going to be one of those two songs. So right. so we, we mentioned in the last episode that in 1975, there was going to be a divorce album. Originally, I was oh, going to go with the amazing leadoff track from this album, which is easily one of the best albums of the year and really all time from a legendary songwriter. But eventually, I decided to go with this song, which is the most epic song on the album and which, to me, cuts even deeper. This is one of those albums where there's so many songs you could have picked. Just press play. I will. I'm saying the whole album. Just press oh, play. totally, totally. Yeah. I had I had this song in the end of the, in the later the end of the song actually. I had a different song, but I it was hard to pick a song on this album. This song is awesome. Yeah, and I love the pick, Scott. So. Yeah, no, yeah. this is great. I kind of anticipated it would be something off of this album. I just wasn't sure where you were going to go. People see me all the time And they just can't remember how to end And my hands are filled with big ideas Even cheers and distorted fans Even you, yesterday, you had to
That was Idiot Win by Bob Dylan from his masterful Blood on the Tracks album. It's an epic near eight-minute number, which delivers perhaps his most bitter diatribe since positively 4th Street. Most memorably with the famous lyric, you're an idiot, babe. It's the one that you still know how to breathe. Damn, what a legend. Don't piss Bob Dylan off. There are more introspective <laughs> and even tender passages as well, and the song is endlessly quotable. A couple of devastating examples. I can't feel you anymore. I can't even touch the books you've read. Every time I crawl past your door, I've been wishing I was someone else instead. Or you'll never know the hurt I suffer nor the pain I rise above. And I'll never know the same about you, your holiness or your kind of love. And it makes me feel so sorry. Wow. What an incredible song. With one of Dylan's best vocals. And again, the entire album is a must-hear start-to-finish masterpiece. Other key tracks are Tangled Up in Blue, which is the album's best-known song, and the one I was originally going to pick, Simple Twist of Fate and Shelter from the Storm. It's hilarious that you just said that because those were the two tracks that I was going back and forth on had Dylan fallen to me. because And, and you know, I had said in the beginning, I think I even said it right before you played the song, this is another one of those albums where there's three, four, five songs you could have picked, and I think all three of us would have been like, yeah, I did... I had a different song, but totally get it, right? Yeah. This is another one of those, right? I, I was going back and forth between Simple Twist of Fate and Shelter from the Storm. This this is such a great album. This this is I go back and forth between Blonde on Blonde and this is my favorite Dylan album. And I'm definitely a latecomer to Dylan, meaning like I used to not I don't know if I don't want to say dislike. I used to not appreciate Dylan. Like I'm like, ah, his voice is fucking Yeah, bad. the voice is, is hard for some people to overcome. For me, this is my favorite with close second Highway Sixty One Revisited. Highway sixty one is really good. Which too. was the album we actually picked in our album tournament. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Blonde on Blonde, but but this I feel like and, and I almost feel like I, I love your take on this guy. I feel like this is almost a comeback album, right? I mean it's been absolutely. A for him, right? Yeah. You know, and- absolutely, absolutely. That that's why yeah. in part this is album is so freaking good, is it like sort of comes out of nowhere and yeah. explodes on the Exploded, man. To further that comeback in 75, you also had the release yes, of the much bootleg The Basement Tapes basement with the tapes, band. Yeah, totally. And then a very strong oh, album with Desire. I think as I started to appreciate Dylan more, the lyricism, the storytelling, right? The other stuff starts to fall into place. And you're like, you know what? I finally get it. And I have a, I have a besides the two of you who I know are big Dylan fans, I have a really good friend who's a huge, huge Dylan fan. And he always told me, kind of like we've joked about a lot with, you know, Trout Mass Replica, he's like, you just got to give it a little time. Like eventually it'll click and you'll be like, what was I missing all these years? And I don't know, a while ago, Dylan finally clicked for me. And, and again, this, this is where I go back to. But, I think it's his best vocal album. It, it is. And I wonder if, I always wonder like subconsciously if that has something to do with it is that it just becomes more, you know, it's easier for me to listen to. So, but yeah. this is, this is again, I could have seen this going any any couple of ways. I definitely had I, I had shelter from the storm on for my pick, but can't can't argue with this one. I had idiot wind. I, I had idiot wind. I had a, a later uh, you know section of the song, but it's like there's just a grandness to this song that doesn't exist on the other tracks, and that's why for like a high draft pick for me, like it's got to be. You know, it's got to be a monster, and Idiot Wind is, the, you know, is the bigger monster for yeah. for this album. Even if Tangled in Blue is uh, 
is sort of the you know the quintessential song it's from the one you hear the most and it's funny yeah. i, yeah, I never considered that any of the three of us were going to pick that almost because it was a little too easy we're we're not music nerds for nothing right we're not going to pick that one that was my pick and then i listened to idiot win one day and i'm like what am i doing exactly <laughs> idiot win yeah. idiot win idiot win just just the song title is brilliant <laughs> All right, I'm up. Doing a little gamesmanship again, because I'm pretty sure the next song after this that I pick is not going to get picked, but I've been wrong before, so. Gamesmanship is always fun anyway. Yeah, it's fun, because then we get to talk about it. smokes it yeah i know i know but this is my favorite fleetwood max song i had to get it in because i thought it might be a, a, an end of tournament pick by one of by one of you guys so i had a fleetwood max song but i was going with landslide yeah i i, I kind of figured as much is that is that a little nostalgia based or or now it's just a beautiful song i think yeah. it's just more emotionally affecting the pumpkins covered it it was going to be a later pick and maybe not get to it but that was where I was going. And, and part of it is, I love Rihanna. It's great. But whenever I listen to Rihanna, I listen to the more rock and live version. The live version. It's like the studio version is just not the fully formed version of it. The reason I picked this instead of the instead of the live version or, or why I picked is that, yes, I think the live version's got more emotion to it. But this one feels more fully realized as to what Stevie Nicks was trying to do with it, right? Which was like more ethereal, a little bit more mythical that's that's why and that's what affects me the most so believe me i love i love the live version and i also love lancelot i actually went back and forth on this rihanna live is my favorite fleetwood mac song mm. and i think it's like 
it's one of the great live performances of all, of all time, right? Like, and there's a million so, on YouTube as well, not just from the live album. Yeah, yeah, but that, uh, yeah, and I, I think the live version is like probably the best one that that's even out there. I disagree with Larry, and I think the fully realized version, and I agree with Scott, the fully realized version is the one where they, where she just like gives herself to the song. Um, and I, and it's a combination of both, right? It's a combination of like the build up from the, the out, the studio version and just, just becoming, I don't know, what do you call Stevie? She's like, the, like this mythical figure, right? Like in, like she's got like this, like gypsy Wiccan, you know, mythical thing. And yeah. she gets taken over and then the library, she just gets taken over. Yeah. It's like right? she's like possessed. The, what what yeah. crushes me about landslide? It's timeless, and what crushes me about it is it came out in 1975. This is Stevie Nicks in 1975 when she says, "And I'm getting older too." Yeah, that's true. It's a deep right? song, like, man. It hits you. Yeah, like I'm getting older too, and I, like she's 50 years older now. <laughs> I know, and like it's just like and and, and like back then. You know, for much of our lives, it wasn't like that. Didn't hit the same way it does as we're, get, as no, we're getting as we're getting older, right? Like, you know like, what? You're, the- you're 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 almost convincing me. Maybe we should just redo this whole <laughs> section, and I should just pick landslide, or or we'll just play the live version of Rihanna. Yeah, yeah. one or the other. One or the other. Like, again, I can't. Like, if I was going to pick between the live version of Rihanna and landslide, yeah, I, um, I don't I don't care. I just like either one of them just is going to be awesome, like so awesome. Way to make me feel bad about my pick, guys. No, no, no. This song is a great song, and it does show what means Fleetwood Mac special that chemistry, right? Not only do you have Stevie Nicks's singular raspy voice, but you have Lindsay's great guitar playing. Great guitar playing. You have the rhythm section, which is perfect. They're punchy, but it's still a mellow song. And then you have those great three-part harmonies. And yeah. The chemistry in that band was phenomenal, and that's why they they went to the level they did, which obviously would explode even more so in a couple of years. I was going to say, like, like I, that's the other reason I, I feel like this song is so compelling to me, is that you can see what, what's going to happen in rumors. Maybe not all of, like, the interpersonal sexual yeah 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 but you, mac is a very good album the self-titled album is it's not rumors good but it's really it's good not rumors, but it's a great monday album. morning right what a lead off track oh, that. yeah yeah uh, we don't mean to make it feel bad because like something has, it, it, it makes sense to pick fluid mac in, in this yeah. in this round for this song because rihanna's not getting picked in 80 in but what you say about it being more haunting and ethereal, if that's what you're trying to get out of it, I do agree with that. Yeah, and that's, and again, like the whole Rhiannon thing, you know, about like a Welsh witch, like this, it just feels more. There's a longer story to it, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was sort of going for. And that's what always hits me when I hear it, so. The live version hits me differently than the than the studio version. Yeah, so. that's what we want to rock out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, so. and that's the one thing that, like, I when I saw Fleetwood Mac live, they're kind of tagged as a soft rock band, right? But they, they rock live. They can be a heavy rock band when they want to totally. be. All right, Floman, you're up. I, I've kind of been stalling because I don't know where to go from here. Like, you can go so many different we're still in, We're still in deep in 70s, uh, 75. God damn it. All right, here we go. This is not on your draft board. Ooh, 
Wow, definitely did not see this coming. Hats off. I did have this as an honorable mention, by the way. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> it will be in the second that well now it'll be in the primary playlist, but it was gonna be in the secondary playlist of a hundred songs or whatever. If sometimes you're catching a feeling of a twelfth man at silly man and it could be Jeff and it could be John with a new ball sting in his tail and it could be deep yeah i love it when we totally surprise each other right like i didn't this is this total surprise I, I have to be total surprise not on my radar so when an old cricketer leaves a crease by roy hopper and so roy hopper there's a connectivity with this with this episode as well yes very much so and that's so why when we introed it i said hats off right did you get that yes that was that was solid <laughs> Come on here, dear boy. Um, yep. So Roy Hopper <laughs> sang lead and have a cigar um, for Pink Floyd and Wish You Were Here. But that song is just like, that's like a Neil Young-esque. Um, exactly, it's exactly the vibe I get. It feels much more Neil Young-y than, it, than even though I know he sings on Have a Cigar, it doesn't even feel the same. It feels much more Neil Young-y. It and feels course, very like somebody's about to die, right? Like totally. he's not leaving the crease. He's like going no, he's off like the leaving, He's like leaving the planet. No, it's exactly. funny you say that because if you look at the video on YouTube, every other comment is like, I want this played at my funeral. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I mean, we we all know we, we've already picked the song that we're playing at our wake <laughs> afterwards, but maybe we yeah. should have this being played at our funeral. That's a, yeah, it's yeah. a great... Yeah, it's, it's, I, maybe it is a euphemism, like leaving the, like a cricketer leaving the crease versus leaving the world. But, uh, there's a gravit, gravitas, gravity to the song that just, just hits hard. And, and it's not going to be a popular song ever in any world, right? Like it's just, it never will be, right? If it was released <laughs> by, if it was released by a famous artist, maybe it would have had more legs, but, it's Roy Harper and like, but it's just a, it's a heavy. Well, well I mean, I, I, I think it. a good question is like, how, how many people actually know that Roy Harper Roy. sang a cigar? Yeah. Either that he sang on Have a Cigar or that Led Zeppelin had a song called Hats Off to Roy Harper, 
which is one of their worst songs. But hey, it was a tribute to the guy. It feels pretty it, like I feel like we get it right. An old cricketer leaves the crease. Yeah, he's retiring or he's dead or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder if it's a euphemism. Like, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Homework. Homework for our listeners. Find yeah, out yeah. what it means. By the way, and just a shout out to his album Stormcock. Really good. That's to me his best album. This is a really good tune, though. I just didn't expect it in this draft at all, let alone this high. <laughs> I def- definitely think, uh, did not expect. I, I mean, I don't think I'm confessing you, anything or surprising anyone when I'm like, this was not on my draft board. Yeah, it's kind of like when you drafted Daniel Jones. Everyone's like, what? What? Or going back, Ken O'Brien, the Jets. Yeah, over Dan Marino. What? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. But when you hear the song, it's, it's oh, it, it hits. It's a no, no, no. It's a pretty yeah. unimpeachable song. I, yeah, no, I'm not not critiquing the song. Just saying. No, no, I, I just want to say like, yeah, it's it's not a, it's not a high draft board pick. But a, when you hear it, it just it it's an affecting song for sure. Keith's all about the feels. This song Keith's is all, all about, about the feels. feels. Hence is, is a, the, the surprising draft pick. All right. So we said to. To go with what you feel, and obviously you did. Yep. You, Just you, like you, I went with me. There's never a wrong pick. It's just we just have certain nitpicks about certain things. Yeah, you know? yeah that's fair. All right, the next song. Hey, fuck it. I'm going with the feels. I'm not going with the feels, but I'm going with um, you'll see. You'll you'll understand. You'll understand. You'll, you'll, Will you we? won't be... You'll be surprised, and then you won't. You'll be surprised, and then not surprised. All right. Damn, you stole my pick. Seriously? Can I do a book plug? I have a a book. Greatest underrated guitar solos. No, no, greatest underrated guitar solos, and there are certain criteria for what qualifies. But this was very high in my book. Now available on Amazon.com, very cheap. Go check it out. <laughs> well, well plugged. Well, well plugged. Subtle, subtle. And and an artist that is reappearing. But but I feel like so before I play it, I I do feel like this artist is very underrated as an artist. He's probably more well known as part of a group and as a producer. Absolutely, but I'm hoping that we've made more people aware of how fucking awesome. He and is. as an and as an influence, like he influenced, yes. like, he influenced a lot. And there are other songs on his album that we could have picked. Yes, he invented a genre. He is basically the inventor of ambient music. This song created a move. There's a movie made about this song. That's true. Yeah, this one's a lot better than that song. I was just gonna say, like, thank God. You're picking this song <laughs> and not the other similarly named song. Because, you know, we, we say, like, there's no bad picks. That would be a bad pick. I'd be fired from this. You track. would. You would. We'd, we'd have to find a replacement. And we've talked before about Mr. Robert Fripp. Again, he plays the guitar solo here. Yep. Saw St. Elmo's fires, the big eye of the 
That whole album is great, but this song, man. Again, it's a heavy hitter on an underrated, incredibly influential artist. Brian Eno, you know, I played him on the on the last episode. And the song was St. Elmo's Fire, not by John Carr. Exactly, and not from the movie St. Elmo's Fire. But it, but obviously inspiring a whole generation of crappy kids from the 80s. Um, but also right inspiring... Back. But also inspiring, clearly inspiring, like Robert Smith and others from like you know bigger bands that that came after it, and uh, and the guitar work is just like Scott said, the guitar work is just immaculate, right? It's just otherworldly. It stands on its it stands oh, on its so, own. It's so good. Fripp. Sometimes I feel like some of his best work was outside of King Crimson. Absolutely, right. Uh, like Hammond's song by the Roaches, you know that? Fade Away and Radiate by Blondie. There's a Bowie song, uh, Teenage Wildlife. Yeah, he's played a lot with Bowie. He played, I think, I thought he played with Iggy Pop too. He's on Heroes also, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely on Heroes. So one of the greatest session men as well as yeah. a brilliant band leader. Yep, totally. And pretty good vocals for a guy who's not really known for his singing. Very yeah. evocative. Now this is this, yeah, it's, this, this is like Eno's best period, right? Mid seventies after he left Rockstar. Yeah, yeah, his first four solo albums were phenomenal. <laughs> They're so good. They're you and know, he went into more experimental territory. The Roxy and the first four solo albums were more rock albums and more accessible. Totally, but and and I also think he's I don't want to say underrated. He's I think people know, but. He's a phenomenal producer. He's underrated. He's, he's like, underrated. Like he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which is absurd. How could he not be in the Rock and yeah, Roll Hall Yeah, at least as a producer, right? He's a producer, With, yeah. You uh, 2 Talking Heads, a bunch of others. I mean, phenomenal. And he's not even really a trained musician. He calls himself a non-musician. and Which is, abs- a, which is another, another absurdity because... Yeah. My guess is that he's forgotten more about music than most people know, right? Yeah, he's a brilliant guy. Oh, and yeah. uh, another Green World, to me, as a solo artist, is his peak. Which yeah, is where this album was I, I also love, I love Airports. I think that's a phenomenal album. But again, I, I feel like I I came to him as a producer, particularly through U2. So, so that would be music for Airports, just want yes. to clarify. Yeah, yeah sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm being too music nerdy, but it's calling it airports. Yeah. But it kind of fits, especially considering I do spend an unfortunate amount of time in airports. So <laughs> that's why you like it. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's why I like I, I like it. I, I actually, I feel like I'd started listening to it and liking it more when I was not traveling as much as I do yeah. now, but even so. All right. I'm going to check. Good pick. Yeah, uh, exactly. Larry's always got to do the change up and change uh, the vibe, change the flow. I got to change the flow, man. Some funk or some soul or something. Yeah, well, all right. So speaking of which, any calls? I, on... I think I, I think I did change. I, I have an idea. All right. So what's it going to be? What do you so got? Wait, by the way, I can't I, say I, because I don't want to say. Uh, and I, 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 and Larry, I, I told Scott what pick I think you may pick in a later round. So what do you want? You're on pick number what? Four. 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 Okay, so you have 
So that, so if he picks it, that'll be his last pick. But I don't think he will. That'll be. But, but there may be. There's one other one that I have in mind. I have another pick that I think is the pick that Keith thinks I'm going to pick, but I don't know if this is it or not. I have a pick I think you're going to pick, but let's see. Let's see. <laughs> and I'll say <say> afterwards. Sometimes I run to the predictable. I mean, come on, you guys both knew there was no way seventy-five was going out without me throwing a little, little funk, little parliament in there, right? Give up the funk. We need the funk. Boy, did they ever bring the funk here, huh? Oh yeah, this is. I mean, you know, th- this is a classic, and and I I feel like I, I guess it depends on maybe your familiarity with parliament. This is probably their best known song, and probably also their most sampled song, but. To me, this is a no-brainer that had to get picked at some point during this. And so the song and, is called "Give Up the Funk" in parentheses, tear the roof off, the the roof off. by Parliament. And so, say a little bit about Parliament and Funkadelic, who we had in the last episode. What's the connection there? Yeah, so both Parliament and Funkadelic are are creations of George Clinton, right? Like he had both bands. They they were sort of a collective, and and they would essentially trade musicians back and forth you know parliament was probably a little more ambitious in that it it sort of aspired to like like a sci-fi type of vibe funkadelic was probably a little bit more straightforward funk and funk rock and they were more psychedelic and more rock whereas parliament was more disco and dance and funk and more accessible and more chart conscious as well they had more success. Yes, definitely. They were definitely more accessible and more more friendly, right? Than yeah. yeah. But but nonetheless, like I mean, essentially that it's essentially the same band, right? Like yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, there there are probably 70, 80 members of Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got the key ones, right? Yeah, I had Bootsy Collins, Bootsy on Collins. Bernie Worrell yeah. on the keyboards, Eddie Hazel on guitar. And we talked about Eddie last, Others as well, last episode, those right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like George Clinton in general, but Parliament Funkadelic, 
in general does not get enough credit in music history as they should because they they were groundbreaking. They presaged so many different genres of music. And within that, they also presage a lot of what goes on now, which is the melding of different genres, right? So within any Parliament or Funk or Funkadelic album, you've got precursors to disco, you've got R&B, you've got soul, you've got straight up rock, you've got funk, you've got a little bit of jazz influence, right? You've got a little bit of of even like electronica because they were they were masters also in terms of like in terms of manipulating sound. And also science fiction and theatrical stage shows, right? And even their album covers were groundbreaking and very creative. So. One of the most sampled bands ever, right? Right after absolutely. James Brown, probably. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely underrated band. Yeah, and. and and I, again, I don't, I don't understand why. Other than that, a lot of their stuff is not necessarily radio friendly. Like they've got a lot of Scott songs, right, and that they're long, or they've got a lot of like you know changes and complications to it. But there are very few Parliament or Funkadelic songs that you hear on the radio. Or all right, let me let me let me let me dial that back. You don't hear any of your shit on the radio now. But if you were to listen to a couple of like you know serious yeah. stations. Even within that, you're only going to hear a couple songs. This being yeah. one of them, flashlight, yeah. maybe flashlight, maybe maybe Bobka, I mean, you know. But like, there, there's just not there's not enough, right? So yeah, there. I mean, I could I could do an entire podcast on Parliament and Funkadelic. There's another podcast. Another podcast. Put it into the queue. Yeah, I thought you would pick this song. This was not. I have a deeper because tra- again, this I could have seen you picking. So the difference is, I could have seen you picking this as like number two. Yes. Whereas, whereas I have a deeper track that I think you may take a flyer on on the last pick, right? Yeah. Where I thought, where I think you may pick it. Yeah. There's no flyers in 1975, though. No, no, it's too strong. Yeah. 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 So this this is like, yeah, this is one of the. Again, we have some big artists and in their genres, and this is one of them. So, yeah, not surprised at all. All right. Well, you're right. Pick and, and very much a Larry pick. Definitely a Larry. Yeah, Definitely bring Larry. the funk. You no, I love my funk. You got to bring. You got to bring the. I got to bring. No, you're gonna bring. If you don't bring the funk, if funk, I'm not bringing the funk, bring. nobody's bringing the no. funk. We leave songs for each other, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna pick that song because I know you're gonna pick it. Like it was on my radar, but yeah, I, I couldn't do it. No way. This yeah. is that's no, a that's, I, I, I get you. I get you. All right. I guess I'm up with double picks. All right, all right. This epic next song isn't on Spotify since the artist overestimated his importance and tried to censor someone who, God forbid, had different ideas than he does. That may be a giveaway. It takes it off my board, which is good. Actually, I thought Keith was going to beat me to it. Well, we talked about, we talked about live versions, and there are live versions of this song. That... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love the studio version, though, so... I, I had the later, I had a later section.
Neil Young and Crazy Horse with Cortez the Killer. The one on our episode playlist will probably go with the live version by the Dave Matthews Band with Warren Haynes, or maybe the even more epic live version by Built to Spill. Cortez the Killer, easily one of Neil's most epic and greatest songs, slowly builds to a crescendo as Neil's searing, soaring guitar cuts through the raw rhythms of one of rock's best backing bands. Neil's elegant, poetic lyrics that intertwine history and his own romantic longing provide the proverbial icing on the cake. We picked some great Neil Young ballads so far in the 1970s, three, I believe, and really there are two styles that he does best, folk and or country-flavored ballads and epic, raw, electrified guitar workouts. Cortez the Killer is among his very best efforts in the latter style. So I was with a harmonica and so I was in that basically yeah right <laughs> songs with acoustic and songs with electric guitar also wow. neil had a second great album in 1975 i just want to mention this was on zuma he also released tonight's tonight one of his best albums from the ditch trilogy it was actually recorded in 73 and released in 75 and they're both great albums so what a year for neil young i'm torn a little bit because cortez is a freaking amazing song on its own but I feel like, you know, the live versions of Cortez have taken life of their own. And, you know, there's some better versions of them out there. It's just such an amazing song because it just, it, what it evoked, it really does have a mood about it. And it just explodes into the end. And the end could be either a minute or 15 minutes or a half hour. And, you know, the the built to spill version to me is probably the best version of it, but you know, the song is unimpeachable in its record format, so I love it. Yeah, and this was Crazy Horse reforming after Danny Wynn's overdose and now Frank San Pedro joins the band and, and the horse is as strong as ever. So it was kind of like the revitalization of Neil and his backing band and they made many great contributions to many great albums thereafter. It's a great song. I was not at all surprised that you picked it. This is almost like quintessential Neil, right? Like he's got he's got a message. There's a political like deepness to it, but yet it also rocks. It's again what I look for when I'm thinking about a Neil Young song. So great pick. At the end of the day, it's all about that raw guitar. Yeah. When I was thinking about this episode of like '75, like okay, I, I'm listening. Like, what songs are you going to get picked, like, in order? And not in, not in order, but what are the automatics? My automatics were Floyd. Like, there's going to be a Floyd song. You know, order we can debate. A Bruce song, order we can debate. Bob Marley, we know what song. Dylan, Bohemian, Zepp, Fleetwood Mac, and Cortez. That was my automatic grouping. So I'm glad that Cortez got picked in that automatic grouping. And... And now we can go on to the rest of the games. Yeah, one of Neil's greatest songs, for sure. For sure. It's spectacular. I love it. If you want to check out some live, Neil, you can go live Rust, Weld. Yeah, I love Live Rust is, is an experience. Like, if you have not listened to Live Rust, you, you need to. Yeah. But Build to Spill crushes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Build to Spill. Phenomenal Neil Young-inspired band. We're all did very well in our 90s song tournament. Right. Yeah. Uh, all hey, fanboys are built. Carry, 
We will carry the zero. We will carry, carry zero, zero until until, until until death. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've already drafted several songs from this next guy. And when talking about them, I've said in a couple of cases that it may be this guy's best song. But no, on second thought, this is his best song. Wow. Way to throw down the gauntlet. was Someone Saved My Life Tonight by Elton John. This was a deeply personal ballad about Elton's near marriage, which would have been disastrous, and subsequent attempted suicide. It features the greatest vocal performance on any Elton John album, both by Elton himself and his backing band, who provide breathtaking harmonies. His piano playing is fantastic as well, and boy do I love its extended fade-out ending which I've mentioned several times he was an absolute master at, and which in my eyes cements this song as an all-time classic. I can't say anything about the pick. It's a great pick. I don't know that I think it's Elton's best song, only because I have to think about it, right? But it's definitely up there. I mean, this is one of my favorite Elton songs. It's, it's phenomenal vocal, phenomenal sentiment. I feel like if you know some of the backstory behind it it becomes even deeper but this is an all-timer right like this is something that you know again you can think about at any time and it still resonates no matter where you are in your life right so we i mean there are all times when i'm i don't want to get too deep but there are all times when we need somebody to save us right there are all times when we need somebody to be there for us no matter what we're going through this is, this is a great song and and i feel like this this is a, a highlight but on an underrated album. I think I think Captain Fantastic is a very underrated Elton album. Because this is the only song people know from it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but it is a very good album. It's yeah, a concept album without hits, but a very strong album. One right. of his best. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is peak Elton, right? Like this, you know, from from like 
70 through 77. This is peak Elton. And I'm kind of glad you didn't pick the other son off this album. And the captain and the kid is later album way later. Kind of a sequel is, is pretty good too. Yeah. 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 I mean, you could, you could have easily picked the, you know, the, the, the more mainstream, more known song off this album, but I'm glad that you did this. You're thinking of a song that was a standalone single, I think, right? Philadelphia Freedom. Is that where you're going yeah, with but that? I, I, so it wasn't on the album. No, it was I thought it was on the album. No, no. Maybe it's on a reissue. But oh, interesting. Not on the original version. It's a bonus track on a reissue. I was going to do a shout out to that song because... Yeah, it's a great song as well, and that'll be on our honorable mentions playlist. And, and his his, well. his Lucy cover is also fantastic. Yeah, does Keith have anything to add <laughs> about Elm? Hold me closer. Um, he always comes back to almost famous and tiny dance. Yeah, it's always about almost famous. Come on, <laughs> fucking, one of the fucking greatest of all time. He had a lot more than tiny dance in it. In fact, that's he's because, the leader in the clubhouse. He's the golden like god. I like Elton. So I'll leave there it. You <laughs> there you go. There you go. You don't think this so is a great song? About... I, no, I, do. I, I think it's a great song. Was it on your draft board? Um, no. It's draft but, board but it's officially fun. flawed. No, but it, but it, it, <laughs> so, so basically no, it's, your draft board sucks. It's not, on my, it's not on my draft board because... We no, have to Elton pick Roy Hopper songs that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Elton... <laughs> Because Elton is Elton, right? Like he's 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 got his niche, and you know he does it well. And whether it's "Someone Saved My Life" or "Philadelphia Freedom," I would put "Someone Saved My Life" because just because one of them is very like very period piece. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Philadelphia Freedom is like Rocky just came out or, or is about to come out. And like, actually, Rocky didn't come out yet in 75. So, right. Billy Jean King came out. Yeah. It's also a tribute to kind of Philly Soul, which we haven't really talked about, right? You had this whole movement of Philly Soul, a lot of these great artists, Gamble and Huff, uh, the producers, and Tom Bell with Linda Creed, right? And bands like. The OJs and the stylistics Spinner, and yeah. the spinners and Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. These are some artists that we kind of <laughs> overlooked that were a big part of the 70s. All right. So, Scott, you inadvertently segued into my next. Into why? So, Scott, without even knowing, but. I know, I know where you're going next. Can I say it? Yeah. David so, wait, Bowie, this year, seven, this year, fit, this year, no. Fit, no. 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 Oh, good. That's, wait, wait, that's wait, wait, a wait. tribute to Philly Soul. And- I know, I know wait, Young Americans is a tribute, but that's not right, what I'm going. I'm going, year, I'm going deep. This year, fifth pick? Yeah. All right. Okay. So I told Scott what I thought you might pick. Well, but now yeah. we have six picks, so you still might if be. You're go, if you're going, yeah. So we decided we're going to do six picks, wait, by Scott, the way. Scott, you've <laughs> only done five. You've done five? I've done five. I got one more. Larry and you you've both have five. Four, right? I've got, well, now I have two more because I'm about to do my fifth pick. Okay, so Scott was talking about Philly Soul. And I think, you know, there's there's some classics like the OJs, the Spinners. I would even throw Hall and Oates in there, right? And Sarah Smile would have been a pick that I'm going to do. But I have to confess, this is a song I knew, but I don't think it hit me until I really started getting into 1975. And this song fucking slaps. It's great. Scott already mentioned it, but I don't think he thought I was going to pick it. So here we go. 
funny because it didn't like like meaning that i had this queued up this was my next no that's what i mean like, yeah yeah so so cool. so this is wake up everybody by harold melvin and the blue notes which is probably better well known for its lead you know singer who is teddy pentagrass who yeah. is a phenomenal singer but i have to confess i had heard of this band and i had heard some of their songs but part of the reason I heard this song, like, Scott, do you know what you know what their their biggest song is? There's probably two, right? The Love I Lost and If You Don't Know Me By Now. Yeah, yeah. If You Don't Know Me Now. I would actually say their second biggest song is more famous, not for them, but for the cover. Simply Red, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. The cover, which is more known, which is Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. Yes, that's right. Right, yeah. And, so, so I was thinking that I would possibly do, I wanted to do a Philly soul song. Like, so, and I had multiple different picks. And again, you know, I usually, as we're preparing for these things, I try to put together a playlist. I have to confess, I had never heard the song, or if I had, I didn't remember before. And it kept coming up. I'm like, this song is fucking awesome. It's, so again, you got socially conscious, you got classic Philly soul, absurd singing by Teddy Pendergrass. As you get deeper into the, the picks, you want to try and throw something out there that people don't know or people haven't heard. I'm like, yeah. this is it. This, for me, the, and again, I thought this was going to be my last pick because I knew, or I was pretty sure neither of you were going to pick it. I'm like, I got to throw this out there. This is a classic. And as I, 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 so of course, you know, this is like a gateway, right? I started listening to this album. These guys are fucking awesome. They are really good. They're an epitome of Philly soul, which is sort of like a subgenre, right? You know, yeah, very seventies, a little more slickly produced, but also very vocally fo forward, right? And 
when you kind of like soft soul, right? It's not that gritty southern soul like in Otis Redding, but it's very seventies, very slick. Exactly, very slick, very produced, and I don't mean produced like overproduced. You know, not like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like you think about like nineties and two thousand and two thousand two thousand ten soul, where there's a lot of you know like auto tune, but just very smooth, very produced. Also, kind of like like a an artifact of the seventies. Like you were talking about this either the last episode or two. Did. Why did this genre die it's out? Gone. Exactly. Yeah. And and he had the MFSB, which was the house band who had a, a big hit with the sound of Philadelphia. Kind of Philadelphia. Yeah. You had these they were it was producer driven, like Motown, right? Like very, the guys I mentioned. But yep. those groups were great. The OJs, the, the OJs the are stylistic spinners. Yeah, you know, we could have another interesting podcast, right? Bands where the lead guy is not the most famous guy, right? right. Like, like you said, Teddy Pendergrass, like, like the Jay Giles band, right? You got Peter Wolf or right. or the Spencer Davis group, right? With Steve, Steve Winwood, right? I consider Hall and Oates as part of the Philly sound, even though they're you know two guys that aren't really part of the genre, but that's what they were definitely influenced by. Yeah, yeah. And, and Hall and Oates is like Hall and Oates. But like Hall sings ninety percent of the songs. I mean, it's Hall. It's Hall, and Oates. Yeah. Well, Oates had a cool mustache, though. He did. He did have a killer mustache. So again, as you get like later into the into the podcast, later into the graphics, you want to try and pick something that maybe this is it for me. So yeah, no, this is your Roy Harper pick. This is my Roy Harper. Absolutely. All right, Keith, you're up. I have two picks, and then I'm in the ether. Go ahead. You have two picks. I'm copying out here. Because he's such a fucking legend. That's what Scott thought I was picking last pick. Yeah, I thought Larry was going to pick this at some point. Not surprised it's picked. To continue our Philly soul, or should we say plastic soul, (laughs) as the man himself calls it. The competition with Elton John continues for our overall lead. I think I did call that he would have the most. Did anyone else own the first five, six years of the 70s other than Bowie? And what's amazing is how he would just assimilate these different styles, do an album or two, shake them off, and go to a completely different style. And this was, he was enamored of Philly Soul, and 
he called his version of it Plastic Soul and fucking nailed it on that song for sure. Which I appreciate too because like he's like ironically and unironically saying like, hey, look, this is not me. I'm cribbing it a little bit, but I'm going to do it my own way, which is why he called it Plastic Soul. Yeah, like, That's also fucking awesome. Well, Bowie's a freak the way he just like dives into a style. Like he says, this is going to be me for a year and then I'm going to do something different and, you know, I'm going to cop somebody else's style. And we, like we eat it up because he does it. He does it so you goddamn it well. We totally eat it he, up. We went through the prior years, and he was the Rolling Stones, and he fucking killed the Rolling Stones at their own game. And now he's like doing something else. Like that's Bowie, man. He just crushes whatever he does. And think about him as a singer, right? Early on with Ziggy. And Life on Mars, which we picked, he had this keening, high-pitched voice. Here is a deep voice soul crooner. It's a totally different voice. Yeah. You have David Sanborn on sax here. You know, great cameo there. Yep. The backing chance. And these awesome things. Like, I heard the news today, oh boy, right? From A Day in the Life, right? Yeah, that life, live totally. there. yeah ain't no one damn song that can make me break down and cry. That's like... Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, right? These, totally. like, great little things that he throws in there. It's almost like a sop to music geeks. Like, you know, the, the I heard the news today. Like, come on. I mean. Absolutely. Brilliant. It's like catnip to music right. geeks. Right. I know you. You know me. Yeah. yeah so we good. Do. So we good. Do. And this is also my father's favorite Bowie song. Just want to throw that out. Michael Floman, shout out to you. So. What are the artists who later became famous saying backup on this song and album? Like, really famous, like big. I don't think I know that. Luther Vandross. Really? Yeah. Pretty cool, right? And shout out to Fame, his number one hit with John Lennon from the same album. Bowie freaking owns the 70s. Clearly him and Mick Jagger had, like, they were buddies, but they influenced each other in ways that came through in their music. Yeah. And they also together produced the worst music video, not by Billy Squire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, that's so deep musical nerd, but, but immediately totally understand. Like epically bad, but not as epically bad as Billy Squire's. <laughs> Because Billy Squire's literally ruined his career. Yeah, I yeah. No, I, I like Billy Squire. Don't say no is a really good album. But that, that video is horrific. Yeah, yeah. Horrific. And the song itself is good. And there was no coming back from that for poor yeah, Billy. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. Keith, one more. Right now, the MNU episode 72, phenomenal playlist. Yeah, absolutely. And the honorable mentions playlist will be epic as well. The honorable mention playlist, also known as Scott's Other 50 Picks. You're way underselling it. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to go with the pick for you guys. And it, I'm just playing. I'm just playing here. So I listened to a lot of shit before this episode. <laughs> and I don't even know what languages I was hearing. But stuff just sticks with you, man. you got to admit, this is not a yeah, yeah. I, I, I got I to plead ignorance on this one. So let's hear it. When you hear it, you're going to be like, yeah, that's a key song. That's a key song? All right. All right, here we go. <laughs> 
kind of vibe. Mark the date and time. Fucking January 8th, 2023, 11.35 p.m. First time I've ever heard this song, and it fucking slaps. Yeah, That's never heard it, but it's good. Fucking hard. Fucking well, you know hard. what? It's got 30 million plays on Spotify, so it's not <laughs> like an unknown There you go. It, it's not. It's, it's your first. This is your first intro, but. Keith is doing some education. You're late to the party, boys. Totally. So it's Joey Dasson. The song is called. It's called Indian. It's called Indian Summer. In yeah, France. Indian Summer. Yeah. Indian Summer. Right? Yeah, Let the Indian. One of those songs is just like you hear the first time. You're like, hey, that's my song. I can't say much because I, I would need more listens to assimilate. But I like what la, I da, da. That's a great song. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed. All right. Da, da, da. For my last song, I should be slightly embarrassed by putting this song on the list, but I'm Barry not. Manilow. Nope. Ava. Ava. So let me. Can I tell you the song that I picked that I yeah. thought you would be picking and you yeah. failed me? I thought that you would be picking Leon Haywood. Oh, I almost did. I, I want to do something freaky to you. Do you know why I would pick that song, Scott? Because of the sample. Yeah. Like a pure sex song, like you said. Well, it is a pure sex song. but And there's another pure sex song that's an even bigger pure sex song from this year. Well, I know. I don't know if you're going to pick it. I very well well might. Love to love you. But, you know, for for those listeners who don't know what I want to do, Something Freaky to You by Leon Haywood is, let me just play the first bars, and then I'll pick my song. All right? Do something freaky to you by Leon Haywood, which, as Keith and I were both singing, is the sample that came out in 1991 in Dr. Dre and in Snoop Dogg's debut of A Nothing But G Thing by Dr. Dre. And yes, I absolutely thought about picking that song and I added it to our playlist, but I'm just going to set a scene for you. By the way, Marvin Gaye blushes at that song. <laughs> it's it's right, right. Yeah, totally. I mean, Keith said it at the beginning, right? So, up, so my, my last song, and I was going to probably pick this as like an honorable mention, but because I got an extra pick, I'm gonna, I'm going to throw it in there. So I'm going to set the scene for you. It's eleven forty-five. I'm now with clients in Stockholm, Sweden. The client says to me, "You know what?" We need to stay out. I'm like, okay, right? It's the client. You got to do what the client says, right? She then takes me to a bar. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to the bar. She's like, this is not where we're going. We're going to the underground part. 
like, what? She literally goes up to what looks to be a closet, knocks four times. The door opens with like, you know, one of those like little things where you open up a slit and you just see someone's eyes. She says something in Swedish, which I don't understand. We go inside. We then go upstairs to another bar. I think you're in Swedish. Just gave it away. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> we go to another bar. It's now getting close to 12 o'clock. And now keep in mind, this is still pandemic times, but Sweden had a little bit of a different view of pandemic times. You couldn't move. Then this song comes on and it's almost as if I was in like a cliche or like a parody of what it would be like being in a club at 1215 in the morning in Sweden, because literally every single person in the bar was singing the song at the top of their lungs. <laughs> that says all you need to know about it. So, right? <laughs> Scott surmised that is by a Swedish band ABBA and that was Mamma Mia and again I'm not exaggerating every single person in that bar was singing that at the top of their lungs so why pick this song is ABBA one of the greatest bands of all time no but was ABBA extraordinarily influential in the 70s absolutely was ABBA so popular that they were literally getting paid in things like commodities like oil wells yep they were so you can't talk about the 70s without talking about abba and i didn't think they would make it past 75 so i figured why not let's go for it scott abba, abba's pretty damn good and you could have gone with sos too but mama I, mia makes sense hey the movie was called mama mia for a reason right the movie was and, and actually it's funny sos is my favorite abba song over mama mia but i have an sos experience in stockholm i had a mama mia experience in stockholm absolutely so, so totally understandable i don't think we've seen the last of abba to be honest with you we shall see though we shall see and they're one of those bands we like we talked about the carpenters and i think i even mentioned it then where i think the respect they have now is way beyond what they had then. Totally. They would think, you know, this bubblegum pop band and whatever. People realized there was there was depth to them in the production and the lyrics and what great singers they were as well. ABBA had some great stuff. Can't talk about the 70s. Yeah. Talking about ABBA. 
Yeah. Like, literally, fun. when you're in the Stockholm airport, there's a lounge where every single picture is of ABBA. Wow. <laughs> we didn't feel the beat of the tambourine yet. Yeah, we will. I think we, we will. will. We might. That's yeah. the one I was really referring to, but we shall see. All right, so I think I'm up now with the last pick. Is that right? This is the last pick. So this was tough. I told you guys before, I think when I had Fall of the Peacemakers by Molly Hatchet as an outro song in our 80s song tournament, that more epic Southern rock was on the way in the 70s. Mm. After Whipping Post Live and Freebird, it doesn't get much more epic or exciting. Wait, wait, Scott. Then this 10-minute track wait, by a wait, band wait, once dubbed on. the Florida on. Guitar Army. How did you... I, I, I knew that was a risk. You thought I was going to pick Nights on Broadway by the BG. How did you not pick Nights on Broadway? Yeah, I, I thought you were picking Nights on Broadway, too. You can go either one. Actually, I jumped Nights on Broadway to go with the Outlaws. Because really? you, you knew because you knew that's what I knew you would have picked. Exactly. There's still time to change it. Playing both. All right, so why don't you do this? Send me the clip for the other one. Back to back, baby. I do agree, Grant. They're both so good. Could hear that clip and say that wasn't the right pick. 
Yeah, it was a great pick. It's just not the pick I thought you were going to get with. Let's hit the Bee Gees. Might as well get an extra pick out. Might as well get an extra pick. I was totally positive that's how you were going to close this out, but okay. You were right. That's how we close it out. Yeah, you got a bonus. Well, not <laughs> necessarily because you still have your closer song. Well, you talk about you can't talk about the 70s without ABBA. You certainly can't talk about the 70s without the Bee Gees, right? Absolutely. I just I just figured we weren't going to get to the Bee Gees till 77, but okay. I thought, I thought for sure that would be... No, I thought, I thought, I actually, I legitimately thought that was going to be your outro song. Yeah, you know, it's like you said, I expect to see the Bee Gees later on. This was the one shot for the Outlaws, and I thought it was worth highlighting uh, one of the great epic Southern rock songs. Yeah, we weren't going to get nights on Broadway any other time. Yeah. I absolutely love both songs. I'm pretty sure I know what your outro is going to be. Or at you least have, you, have no, you have no idea what my outro is going to be. Oh, my be. God. I'm disappointed because I thought your outro was going to be one that we talked about before, and that's a fucking great outro. You should play that. Well, what's that? You know what it was. I don't want to spoil it. I'll text it to you. All right. So this outro song is probably my favorite song by this insanely prolific artist. It's goofy and funny and kicks ass. This dude may have been a weirdo, but he was also a great guitar player and all-around brilliant musician. Oh, I know what it is now. Who typically led tremendous bands. This particular one included Terry Bozio, who's an absolute beast on drums here. Here's Muffin Man by Frank Zappa. I thought it was going to be the other song that you talked about as doing your intro. Uh, that'll be. Yeah, I, think you should still, I think you should still play. <laughs> Double outro again? Double outro. <laughs> like cupcakes exclusively while myself, I say, there is not, nor ought there be, nothing so exalted on the face of God's gray earth as that Prince of Foolins
that is an underrated song by an incredibly underrated artist. Because I feel like if you take some of like the the kitsch out of it, these guys are fucking great musicians. You want to talk a little yeah. bit about it, Scott? I thought he was a man, but he was a muppin. So good. All right, these guys are giving me some free reign here, so I'm getting a double outro. Electric Light Orchestra, or ELO, most would vote for Evil Woman or even Strange Magic, but I'm partial to the amazing instrumental Fire on High. For now, hope everyone enjoyed this song draft of the best songs of 1975. Another excellent year overall. Have a good night, everyone. That's a way to fucking close a podcast. Night, everybody. Fucking awesome.